Welcome back to another episode of the Hello Blink Show. On this episode, we welcome Matt Liberty. He's an electrical engineer that created the Joule Scope. This is a tool used to measure DC energy. However, it's not so much the tool we want to talk about as how he used contractors and contract engineering to create this tool. We want to talk to Matt about the differences between finding somebody locally or through references versus using freelance sites like Fiverr or Upwork and what his experiences were using those sites. Let's jump in. Welcome to the practical podcast for technical people who want to start their own company. From founding to building your business, we're here to help. I'm Sean Hemel. And I'm Harris Kenny. This is the Hello Blink Show. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. I know that we met initially over the uh, Chris Gamble's Contextual Electronics Forum, which is a really cool place to hang out. And I noticed that you were had used some freelance engineering in the past, and we brought you on the show today to talk about that. I want to know your experiences because it's something that I've struggled with, and it's something I've honestly been afraid to do. So <laughs> curious to know about your experiences. But before that... Um, tell us about working for yourself. You got started in 2011, right? How's that been? I did, yeah. I just took the leap and started my own consulting company back in 20, 2011. And uh, ever since then, have been uh, servicing mostly embedded software people, hardware as well, but mostly on the software side. Um, a bunch of challenges, a lot of initial people that I've, I know or met through my network. And uh, during the course of that, I actually reached out to people to collaborate, both as other consultants and also tried out some of the freelancer sites for smaller tasks. Oh, that's really awesome. And then so where in that process, so you were doing consulting initially, where in that process did you come up with the Joule Scope? Oh, well, I started out just doing, you know, work for hire consulting. And that lasted for about five years, um, pretty solely focused on that. But my plan was always to develop at least some product. Um, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. I was enjoying the consulting, still enjoy the consulting. Uh, but I had faced this problem with uh, energy measurement, measuring the di huge dynamic range of things that have battery power or mostly off for most of my career. So it, it's something that came up back in 2000. It came up in 2010. It came up consulting. So it was a problem that still really wasn't solved for an economical price point. So I kind of carved out some of my time as a consultant to focus on consulting for myself. Uh, so starting in 2017, roughly, uh, did some part-time on it and then really picked up in 2018, launched a Kickstarter last year and uh, continue to sell it today. And it's going very well. Yeah. So so anybody who might not be familiar, what does the Joule Scope do? You mentioned it's measuring your dynamic range of like current current draw. Is that kind of what we're going for here? Yeah. It measures current and voltage. So very okay. simple. Measures both of those. Then it can compute from that power and energy. And the challenge that you have with a lot of new products is that they have you know milliamps or tens of milliamps or even amps when they're on of current. And then they go into sleep mode and they're down into the microamps or tens of microamps. And that's really hard for traditional equipment to measure. Um, so Joulescope, it does very well at measuring that huge dynamic range and also fast enough so that you can see things like interrupt service routines and RF activity um, in the products you're developing. Yeah, no, that sounds like a really useful tool. I, I was doing something for DigiKey where I was trying to show people how would you measure that with a scope. And you can use like a little a current sense chip and then you set kind of your gain for it. 
And then you're like, okay, I'm measuring nanoamps or microamps when it's asleep. And then like, boom, it like blows out your scope. No, not that, quite that bad, <laughs> but you hit your maximum, you know, five volts. Like that's all you can measure as soon as the thing turns on. So you have to like figure out how you can measure a small part while it's asleep and then use something else while, or use a different amplifier while it's on. So yeah, that sounds super useful. If you're designing products, um, I could see that being very handy. So awesome. Um, and that's, and that's been going well, I'm assuming, if you're still selling that product, right? Like, people are still buying it, even after the Kickstarter, that's going well, right? Yeah, definitely. This is a huge part of what I'm doing these days. So, I, you know, did the Kickstarter, continue to sell it, continue to support it, developing new features. Uh, so, we are continuing to expand the feature set through software. You know, it's a hardware product, but there's a lot of room to do extra stuff. And, you know, it's, we're starting to think about what comes next. What's Jewelscope 2? Oh, that's really cool. Hey, so quick question. I'd love to see the site here. I wanted to just ask you a quick question about your go-to-market before we kind of jump into the engineering stuff. Mm-hmm. Looks like you're running Shopify. Yes. And you're doing direct sales. Mm-hmm. How's that going? How has running the Shopify store been? I think you've gotten to a point where people, a lot of people imagine that they'll get there one day, but you're there. You you kick you crowdfunded. You're manufacturing. You're thinking about the next gen of products. What is it like in this stage where things are stable, things are steady? You've got the Shopify store. What's it like doing that direct sales? Have you thought about distributors? Uh, what's the what's the sales side of the business like right now? Yeah, very good question. So we are going through all the early pains that you have from going from a few sales, you know, a, a sale or two a day, to starting to have larger customer orders. Um, and this is not new. This is something that any startup company goes through at some point. So we've been doing fulfillment and all the Shopify stuff really ourselves. Um, so I have, you know, obviously I rely on a lot of people to build the product. I have a local contract manufacturer, you know, vendors for all products from all over the globe uh, for the components that go into Jewelscope. But when it comes down to it, it's, I'm really dealing with my contract manufacturer um, and we have fulfillment right now. It's out of our house because of COVID made it easier. Um, and my wife does um, a lot of the running the Shopify store, all of our accounts billable and, and receivable um, and really running it just ourselves um, as a company. That has been good as long as the volume is low, but we have all the challenges you have with international shipping, international payments, bank transfers. It's all, all pain. Um, but we've kind of gotten over that hump and into a groove where it's not too bad. Um, we've just added some plugins to the Shopify store, so it'll do automatic invoicing now. We've kind of been doing our own quoting and invoicing separate from Shopify. Um, but we are also looking at distributors. We have, a, a, well, before summer happened in the EU, we had a good conversation going with uh, what looks to be a very good uh, German distributor. Still too early to announce that. Um but looking to pick up some distribution to help out and uh, make it so it's not just us. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've seen um, some people like, who did who were we talking to? Uh, Jonathan, where he's talking about once he got in with distributors, um, somebody else we had on the show, they talk about once he got in, got in with distributors, it made life a lot easier. So, because mm-hmm. um, you're right now, you're running pretty much all inventory out of your house. Pretty much. Um, that's the easiest place. Our, my contract manufacturer is 15 minutes from my house. Um, just right in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So it makes it really convenient to go between there and here. So you don't have to worry about, you know, transferring inventory or, or shipping delays. Um, or if it, something goes wrong when we're building them, we have a new build going on right now, actually. Um, it's 15 minutes. It's not flying to China. 
Um, right. So it makes it really convenient. And I'm able to do that because of the price point of this product. It's not a pennies consumer product. It's a reasonable uh, tool for engineers. So I can actually afford to manufacture in the U.S. for the volumes that we're in. Yeah. And quality control, I'm assuming, is a big factor in this Um and you can just drive right over there and see it because, you know, it's it's a professional tool, right? Exactly. And there's a, a lot of testing that has to go into this product. So it's not just build a board and ship it. Um, and that I can help out and support our contract manufacturer that way. Yeah. And so as you're scaling, you have, um, and we'll talk about this in a second, you've basically taken on more, you're spending more greater percentage of your time on sales, marketing, website administration, shipping, fulfillment, logistics, and and you've relied on um, freelance folks in part to help with the engineering work, but that was kind of why you got into it in the first place, right? I mean, I'm assuming that part of the roadmap here with these new distributors is to try to be able to get more back into engineering again. Is that right? Yeah. I want to start focusing also on what comes next, right? So yeah. I'm spending, like you say, a lot of time. So making sure the customers are happy. I, I have several ways of supporting new customers and existing customers. We have a forum, email. Um, we have our contact form on the website. So I'm spending a few hours a day dealing with customer inquiries and support and helping people out. Um, just had a call from a new customer today over in Europe. Um, so spending time to do the sales stuff and uh, still doing some engineering side, but really that has fallen behind. So I need to get back to that to think about what comes next. Yeah, so... Talk to me about some of that freelance process. Now, you you did hire freelancers to help you with Jewelscope, or was that a different project? So I've worked, there's a, a few people that are local that I've worked with a little bit on Jewelscope. I was the, mo- the main person that was responsible for designing and developing everything. But like any product of any scale, it's not just you, right? As soon as you sure. run into an issue, I have someone that works very closely with my contract manufacturer that is a really good manufacturing engineer. So he provided a lot of great advice my, of all the parts, I'm a little weaker probably on the hardware side, much more strong on the software, signal processing side of things. So it was great to have him helping me out. Um, I have another local person that did the printing for the case, which you know is a little thing, but it's, it's one of those little things that can blow up at you. So relying on those other people um, professionally is, is key to engineering, right? You can't really do very much as far as product development for the the. Freelance sites like Upwork and Freescale.com and Fiverr, I've mostly relied on those for smaller jobs. There's been a few larger things that I tried to put through to varying degrees of success. <laughs> so what, what kind of things do you find work best on those sites? The thing that I've had great luck with is the graphic design side of things. So I got my logo um, for Jewelscope and my company, which is JetPerch LLC, both designed by the same person on, um, that was Fiverr. And I went out and found someone and they were awesome. Um, I have to give mad shout outs uh, to Congruent Graph on uh, Fiverr who did an awesome job. So you you find these people just random. You don't know how they're going to behave or how they're going to do their job. But um, he had an already good track record, worked with me through the process. And I think something about graphic design that makes it different is that it's easily visible. Um, yeah. So when you like it or you can, you don't like it, you can draw or mark or convey, and it makes it really easy to communicate um, to someone else across time zones, across language barriers. So I found that that's worked really well. Um, my quick start guide for Jewelscope also 
um, was done by a different person. And again, great success, was really happy with that. Um, some of the things that have been more challenging are more the engineering tasks. That's my, literally my next question. You <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. So what experience do you have doing engineering tasks, whether it's you know hardware or software design with one of these freelance sites? Like, what's Has it been gr- good? Has it been not good? I mean, you said you use mostly local people now, so I can't imagine it's been great. It's been challenging. So uh, the first thing that I did is I had a circuit board design. And this wasn't actually for Joolscope. This is for a customer of mine. And it was kind of a low risk. This customer was very budget sensitive. So he wanted to make sure that we kept the cost down. So I'm like, I've never tried this before. What do you think? Let's try hiring a freelancer. If they fail, well, you're out some money and I'll pick it up and we'll do it. Um, if they are succeed, great. So it was a very low risk job. And this, this was someone who is a, an entrepreneur themselves doing a startup business. So they were very into, can we do it for a low cost? And I'm wor- we can take the risk because I said, you know, if we fail miserably on the circuit board design, we're out a week or two. So it's not like the end of the business. So it was a great trial project for this. And it went okay. So I carved out a little bit of the design first um, just to try out the person. And I highly recommend that. So if you're hiring someone for the first time through these sites, you don't have to go for the full engineering task, whatever it is. You know, design the next new huge widget. Carve out one little part of that. Just, um, you know, design a footprint for some component that you're going to be using mm-hmm. on a design. Design some very small little library and software that you need and see how they do. So it's a way to essentially you're paying, but you're trying out first. And I've later used that to cancel some projects that were going the wrong way um, much sooner than you would have otherwise. Um, but this particular project went okay. The person did a, knew what they're doing. They did a good job. They're very reasonably priced. Um, there are some things that it was an RF design that were not up to where I thought they'd be. So I ended up you know, ending the contract and then cleaning that up. But it's say overall, it's safe cost and time um, going through that person. So first, ex- first experience was good. <laughs> what are some of the challenges you've run into? Like where do, where do things start to fall apart and how do you identify them? Yeah, the biggest challenge is if you're, in, in my experience, you can't be hands off about hiring these, the, the, these online freelancer sites. You have to be very much involved and they actually, a lot of the people tell you this up front and so do the sites. So you're going to be asked for critique. You're going to be asked to say if things are good or bad um, as part of the evaluation process, part of the payment process for all of these sites. And the sooner you do that, the sooner you provide feedback, the sooner you know whether it's good or not. The challenge, though, is if you don't have the expertise um, to mm. evaluate whether it's good or not, it's very hard to actually hire people through these sites because you get something and if you just go off and let's say it's a circuit board, you go off and manufacture it, you don't know until it comes back whether it's good or bad. Uh, and that's a longer time in the cycle if, you're, if you don't have the expertise. So I think part of the, the challenge is if you're viewing this as an op- entrepreneur coming in and saying, I want someone to tackle my engineering problems and go out to one of these sites and you're not technically focused, um, it could, I think it would be very challenging. Yeah. Do you have any experience working with the software side of things for, through these sites? I do. I actually hardware? have a few things. I have one which failed horribly. Um, and I'll tell you that story. This is very recent. This is actually for a customer back um, at the beginning of this year. So I'm busy with Joolscope. I obviously have a lot of my plate. And this is a long-term customer of mine that wanted to do a next generation of their product. I'm like, great. Let's. What do you think if 
you know, and he insisted that I was involved because the product went well. So I'm like, I want to be involved, but I don't have that much time. So let's try something out. So I found someone that had experience with the chip that he wanted to use as the main chip. Um, and they were going to do some firmware development and uh, actually chatted with the person live first. Things went great. Did a small task. It went great. And then what ended up happening is he farmed it out to someone else. Oh, oh no. So I did my due diligence. Everything looked great. And then it ended up not being him that was doing the work. It ended up being someone you know once removed. And unfortunately, this was a challenging project. Um, so it wasn't just anyone that I could hire to bring on to do it. And uh, unfortunately, that one failed miserably and I had to cut it loose. Um, but I was able to determine that it was failing, you know, within a, a couple of weeks of starting with this, the person that was actually doing the work. So we weren't out that much time or effort, but that was a, a fail. <laughs> so it sounds like you can't get a full sense of the cost just by what someone's rate is going to be on this website. So, you know, it, it sounds like working with freelancers like this, especially if it's something technical, it's a way for you to get more done, but it's not necessarily going to cost what you think it might at the beginning. There's management, there's overhead, there's watching, there's checking. It, it's, it sounds like a way to just keep growing the business, but not necessarily like that. This is like super scalable and the perfect answer for all things because it has unhid or hidden or unseen costs in order to do it. It's not just like a way to get it for cheap. Is that right? I, I think it depends. So I've, I definitely have a few things that I think I've gotten for, well, not necessarily cheap. I paid a lot for the logo compared to a lot of other places, but I, compared to US, like if I went to a brand agency in the US, it's not even close. So I think there are ways of getting things that are affordable, but on the engineering side, I have not yet found someone that I'm comfortable with just turning something over with. Like I've had the relationship with contractors and other consultants that I've met through other means where we've had that relationship, right? Um, that's why people hire me as a consultant. They just say, you know, Matt, you go do this and I'm going to check on you, trust but verify, but I'm pretty confident you're going to come back with something great. Uh, I haven't had that same comfort level yet with any, you know, Upwork. I haven't used freelance.com actually. I've, I've stuck with Upwork um, and Fiverr is, I've dealt with mostly smaller projects where that wasn't as much of a concern. You get something cheap, but it's so small that it's probably outside of your expertise which is why I've gone to Fiverr. I'm not designing my own logo. Um, I know better than to put developer art on my brand. So went out and hired someone to actually do that for me. But it, it, again, it was a small thing rather than develop my next major new thing that has patents and all this you know, proprietary technology behind it. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you find that Fiverr is more for artists or can or or is it like you can find, you know, freelance engineers on both Fiverr, Upwork, freelance.com? I think you can find them everywhere. Um, I've actually for smaller things, I, I had another thing that I had an issue with Jewel Scope's UI. My buttons were all fuzzy and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. So uh, this was in Qt. So I went out, found someone who was cute, good and cute and said they could do great UIs. And I said, here, tell me how to fix my buttons. And he came back, you know, without even asking me to pay him a little like two hours later. And it's like, here's how you can fix it. And so I ended up, you know, we ended up figuring out how to negotiate that and pay him for it. Um, so we were both happy. But that was a, a small, very focused question. Um, and it worked out great. So in a way, the way I view Fiverr is if you have a small task that's bundled that you can turn over or a specific question, 
Um, you know, a common thing is a footprint in a, a design for a schematic uh, in your layout That's that you just don't want to do. And it's you can't find anywhere else. Fiverr is great for that. Upwork and freelance try to aim more for the longer term roles, you know, bigger contracting engineering roles in my my experience. And I, I've, I've struggled with those, um, at least being successful. I've, I've had one really good experience with the PCB, one mixed experience or towards the bad experience with the, the more recent project. I had another that was not directly through one of the sites. We actually were... Um, there's a similar relationship that went badly as well, um, but there was an overseas uh, Eastern European consulting group that uh, ended up, it was a challenge with this product and I had to end up cutting that one loose as well. So yeah, I've had mixed experiences and it's been a challenge, but overall, you know, it, trying to find better ways to do your job, finding better ways to value your work and value the parts of the work you have that you have and how to negotiate with local people as well to do it. Um, I found that working through these freelance sites has helped me figure that out better and be better positioned. Hey, Harris, I'd like to take this moment to pause and let's talk about our sponsor, Cyber City Circuits. Who are they? Cyber City Circuits is a contract manufacturer and electronics distributor. Uh, they're based in Augusta, Georgia. They're fans of the show and they've been supporting us to help really get in front of technical people who are starting their own companies. That's what they've done themselves. Uh, David and Chris spoke to us all about it and how they're growing their business in episode 20. And one of the things they're focusing on now is contract manufacturing. They're looking to expand their business. And I don't know if you've ever had to use a contract manufacturing, but sometimes it can be uh, really rough to get small quantities through. So if you're doing something like for badge life where you need five, 10, 20, 30 boards produced and you don't wanna do them all yourself, this is the perfect opportunity to reach out to David and Chris and get them to help you produce your boards. Check them out at cybercitycircuits.com and just say, hey, we learned about you from Hello Blink Show. You'll get 25% off your assembly costs of manufacturing. You can also use Hello Blink Show as a coupon code to get 10% off of your order for their electronics distribution and kit sales. Let's get back to the show. So you've mentioned that you you now take on some local people to help with your, your work. Um, what was that experience like? Like, how did you go about finding these? Now, I know you're, you mentioned that you're kind of in that, like, Washington, D.C. area, um, which, you know, it's got a lot of engineers. It's got a lot of, you know, talent that you can possibly tap into. A lot of people branching out on their own. Um, like, was that just going to meetups? Like, how did you go out and find these people? Are there sites for that? Well, I don't have too many people around here, but it's mostly people that I've met one way or another. Um, okay. You know, through, a lot of times through friends, through community. I mean, yeah, it's a... DC area is a big engineering area. I'm not in that part of um, you know what you'd consider DC engineering. Um, I'm doing a lot more on the commercial side and have been you know my career since I've lived down here. So I'm a little bit on the the different side. I've crossed over a little bit, but mostly still on the commercial industrial side of things. And you know yeah, it's a it's a community, but it's still pretty small. Um, you get to know individual people, just like anywhere that you end up trusting and wanting to work together. Um, I've collaborated with some local people also on consulting projects for other customers. You know, I've done the software typically, and they've done the hardware and FPGA side of stuff. So it's a, it's a really good um, skill to be able to find those local people and leverage them, you know, work together, um, find people you love locally. Um, 
it's great to have the option to hire people remotely, but I, in a lot of cases, working remotely with someone that you've developed a relationship with over time uh, is great. You know, it's, it's stronger. It's a, a better business relationship, in my opinion. Uh, whereas a lot of the the things that I've done on the freelancing sites have been just single transaction. It's not building up any type of relationship. It's just been, I want something done and I hear someone can do it. A lot of my more local and U.S. relations just have built up more into relationships. Yeah. And I, I hear that about when people use the freelancing sites, they talk about like, oh, build up a relationship with the person, especially when it comes to like virtual assistants. Um, but it's like everyone I've talked to who have had who has had experience using the freelance sites for engineering have had almost the exact opposite experience. Like they almost never seem to go very well. Um, so that's it's interesting. You're kind of confirming what I've what I've feared about these sites. Um, but good to know that you can use them effectively, especially for these little one off deals. Um, and I guess maybe if you come across somebody that you really like, you can develop a relationship with them. But like the engineering tasks just still seem to be slightly out of reach, um, or you have to get really lucky with somebody on them. Does that seem like a, a fair uh, a summary of what's going on here? Yeah, I still have hope. I, I, I know that there are good people out there, but it's... So I've been involved in interviewing and hiring people since the beginning of my career. And, you know, I, I when I graduated from school, I went back to my school and did on-site, on-campus recruiting, and then we brought people in. I was always in startups for my career. So it was always a challenge finding the best and brightest people. And that's hard too. Um, that's a really hard problem, trying to hire people... Uh, that you want to be at the top uh, of their industry. It, it requires searching and you know, going through tons of resumes, tons of people, on, phone screens, on-site interviews. And to be fair, I haven't put even close to that amount of effort into the freelance sites. You know, I've kind of screened people. I, I've never actually just put a job out there. Well, that, that's not true. For most of my work, I haven't just put a job out there. I actually would go through and find people that I would want and say, does this match your skills? Can you do, take this on rather than putting it up for general bidding? Um, mm. that, and that's just been my approach because I'm, I'm pickier like that. And even with that, I haven't spent nearly as much time as I would if I was going to make a full-time hire. Uh, so for part of my career, I was also a manager for a team uh, before starting up my consulting company. And the amount of time that you spend on the hiring side when you're trying to hire great people, it's, it's a lot. Um, with these sites, it makes it a lot easier to find what you think are reasonably qualified people. But if you're going to put that same amount of, of effort to find the best, um, you'd have to put a lot more than I've been putting in. Yeah, it makes sense. So what do you, what do you recommend for, you know, it, like you have a, a task, like let's, let's say, like if you have one task and like they can do it in like a week on the site, like, you know, whatever, let's say you have something that's like, oh, it's going to take a few months what are some good ways you recommend to, you know, do you structure like weekly check-ins, daily check-ins, um, or is it like, you know, wait till the end? Or how do you know along the process that they're not really doing what you want? Like what kind of framework, project management framework do you recommend when working with these uh, freelancers? Yeah, so I would recommend breaking it up initially into something very small. So if you have, let's say you have a project that's two months long that you think is your two months um, which may mean that it's four months for someone else that you'd find through a freelance site. A lot of times that's typical. Um, 
So you would take your work, divide it up into something that's a few days or a day or a few hours even, and see if the person is capable of delivering to the level of quality that you want. Um, if they are, great. Now you open up the next phase of a little bit larger piece. And I've I've tried to carve it out. Like with this one that failed, the thing that I carved out was this little, can you do this little thing on this, this chip? Which is take the manufacturer's example code, add a little bit to it, and it should take you a few hours. And that came back and it was great. And then the next thing was, can you do this whole driver thing for it that is probably going to take me a few weeks and probably will take you a little bit longer? And that's where I lost control of that one, at least initially, because they were like, yeah, we're working on it. Working on it. The first week was all study and research. So there was no feedback during that phase. And it wasn't until the second week or so that I realized that things were kind of going sideways. Um, so if you can structure a way of a tackling the project and whatever you're doing so that you have a way of noticing if things are going well or poorly as soon as possible. That minimizes your risk and minimizes the amount you spend. All of these sites are, you know, if they're, they're not doing it, you can cut it off and be done. Uh, Fiverr's a little bit different, uh, but if you're talking about Upwork and Freelancer, you can structure the project so that it's an incremental approach and that you can stop at any time. Yeah. Taking a step back, why would someone do this? So if someone's skeptical and they, I think if someone starts a business, they probably think, oh, I can figure out most things on my own. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned that sometimes it could take someone two times, maybe three times longer to do something. Um, what's the case? So if someone's like heard so far all the way through here and they're like, yeah, that's like cool, Matt, I'm glad that works for you, but I still think I can do all this on my own. I still, still think I'm more efficient. And, uh, I'll, I'll like take down the veneer here. I'm like speaking as myself. I'm working on a CRM project called Intro CRM. And I feel like, okay, I can figure this out. I can make it happen. I brought in a little bit of help for some design work and UI UX. But it's just sort of like, is it really more efficient or not? But I know in my head that I'm not being time efficient. I know in my head that I could get things done faster and I could do other things. So like, help me. I'm still skeptical. Like I get it, but I don't have an account on Upwork. I don't have an account on Freelancer. I don't have an account on Fiverr. Even though in my head, I know it's more efficient. What does this look like for you in terms of your business? Like, has it accelerated the growth of the business in a meaningful way? Um, or has it just made it less stressful for you? Have you shipped more units? Have you been able to sell higher value deals? Like, how has this changed your business for you? Because it is it is more work and it's more admin, but it seems like it's been worth it. For me, yeah. So I would say the two things that I did, the, the engineering ones, were probably not worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, those ones, at least from, from my experience, you know, well, actually the first one was, was marginally worth it. The second one was definitely not worth it. I didn't get anything really out of it. Um, some of the smaller things though, that I've done with Fiverr were things that I wouldn't have done or been, you know, able to do as much on my own, uh, the logo design, my quick start guide, um, what else did I have? The, the cute issue of, of I, I tried to dig into that. And I'm like, this is silly. There's nothing on Stack Overflow. There's nothing anywhere about how to use silly, you know, uh, the, the QT version of CSS to do all this. So I might as well just ask someone then pay them. So I think there are sometimes you run into those issues where you know you need help. Um, and it's hard to, being a self in driven person as an entrepreneur who's, you know, whether you're doing your own company or you've been in startups your whole life, it's hard to say it's better for me to get help. 
Um, but that's the first, you know, step to hiring people as well and dealing with the team. So it's a challenge that I think a lot of entrepreneurs deal with. You, you mentioned it, um, as, as do I, uh, you know, where do I delegate? And being a very competent engineer, it's hard to delegate the engineering. Um, so I have a lot easier time delegating accounting, delegating, you know, developing brand, um, delegating pretty much everything other than engineering, <laughs> uh, because that's really where, where my core expertise is. So I think if you can find a way to augment your skills with these sites, um, find people that complement you, not necessarily compete with what you want to do, but do the things you don't want to do. And that's where I've been most successful. Um, and I think there are a lot of things when you're dealing with the starting of business that are small, right? But each one's small, but they add up to this mountain of things you have to do. So just having help come in and, and tackle some of those for you reduces that cognitive burden that just, you know, is, is dragging on you as an entrepreneur and starting things because, oh my gosh, today I had to do everything but what I want to do. <laughs> so you get a little help that helps build that momentum. Yeah, no, that, that's great advice. Um, and you, you had mentioned that like, okay, so the, the, the sites like Fiverr, Upwork, all of those are, can be a little more difficult sometimes to find the engineering stuff, but you said you've had l luck with local people. And I'm guessing for some, for some folks that could be remote, right? Like if you're in, you know, nowhere USA, you don't have people that you see on a regular basis and you can't develop those relationships, then maybe say like going to conferences and whatnot and you meet people, you do the whole networking thing that, you know, a lot of engineers seem to hate, um, right? You build up these contacts. I'm assuming at some point, those are people like once you realize their expertise and you keep up those contacts, you could potentially lean on them and say, hey, you know, not lean on them in a good way, but you know, hey, I'm willing to hire you to do these, these one-off jobs because I know you, I trust you, we've built a relationship. That almost seems like a better way to go if you have a longer-term project and you're looking somebody to work with for that longer-term project than, you know, shooting in the dark with one of these Upwork type sites. Um, unless, like you said, you like, like struck, you do your work breakdown structure, you take like little pieces of that and like feed them little morsels and be like, okay, make this footprint. Now make this tiny section of the board, right? Like, and seeing if they're doing the work. Um, but if you, if you know somebody, you can trust them and you've worked with them, you can say like, oh, I can just throw you this work. Um, like, hey, help me make this board. I don't have the time for it. I trust you, go for it. So I guess, you know, knowing that you have both of those options and if you're looking to expand your network and help make your project come to market faster, knowing how to use both like the sites, the random people online versus like people you know and trust and you've built relationships, using those effectively together is, seems to be um, the course of action here. Am I gathering that correctly? Yeah, I, that's what I would recommend. So it, it's... I have yet to be successful enough on the freelancing sites to recommend them wholeheartedly, right? I think that's the story. That's my story. Other people have different stories, I'm sure. Um, but building up relationships with people that you trust. Uh, and for me, that's been consulting, you know, consulting relationships. I have not hired people for my company. Um, I don't have any plans really right now to hire, but I do like uh, the consulting relationship with people that you develop a relationship with. Um, over time. So my contract manufacturer for me has been a key relationship, um, as well as the engineer that works there um, that's done a lot on the manufacturing side for me. Um, and, and 
as you develop that relationship, you know their level of skills and competences and what they're good at, what they're not as good at. So you can make the best determination for your business of what work to give them. Now, if you're looking to scale a business like crazy, um, that's a whole different situation from what I'm talking about here and um, kind of beyond what I've done with my company, which has been much more minimalistic, you know, targeted engineering and consulting. Uh, and, and right now, a part of product sales, but it's not going like crazy millions of units a year type product sales, right? This is a much more uh, self-funded and uh, incremental approach to launching a product. Can you share the share, uh, the split between product and services ish, like approximately on a percentage basis or, 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 or give us some sort of indication of how they complement each other? I don't want to ask you anything you don't feel comfortable uh, divulging. Sure, no, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. So from 2011 to 2017, my business was 100% consulting. In 2017, um, I kind of took the opportunity not to necessarily, well, there's one contract that I brought to an end sooner than it needed to. Um, but the rest, I kind of let naturally taper off. And as you go through consulting, things have a life cycle, right? So you'll have a project that naturally comes to an end. And what I did is just not pick up new business. Um, I let that kind of die down and spent the time on dual scope development. I still kept two customers that were fairly active for about half of my time. Um, one of those uh, went away for a little bit. So I was able to actually focus that happily on dual scope development. And uh, then, of course, as life has it, right when I was thinking about launching dual scope, customers came back, all wanted to do everything right in April, March, April, when I'm launching Kickstarter. But, um, you know, you deal with life, what it throws at you and uh, made those customers happy while launching dual scope. And now the split right now is about uh, 60% dual scope, 40%-ish customer. And my hope is to dial that back down a little bit more to spend more time on the engineering side um, going forward here into 2021. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, I think there's 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 two brands of people here, here um, that are, I'm hopefully, hopefully forming our listener base. Um, there are some entrepreneurs, people who want to build the company, want to scale it, you know, hire as many people, you know, build as many products or, or as many as one product as possible. And then I think, there are a lot of people who are in your shoes or my shoes or Harris's shoes where it's like, I don't particularly care to scale all that much. I mean, maybe if the opportunity comes along, maybe, but that's a whole bag of cats that I don't really particularly want to <laughs> wrestle. Um, right. It's, it's a different beast. And it's like, I'm really happy playing to the niche market, you know, making one thing or doing just the consulting. And it's like, I will hire people as necessary to help me take things off my plate um, and I'm really happy doing that. And I, I think a lot of what we think of as entrepreneurship or just people working for themselves is going to trend in that direction because it's, it's a lifestyle that you get to make those choices and have control over, right? I'm going after a niche thing. I'm going to make a niche tool or a product, or for me, I make content, right? Choose your, choose your product or service of choice. And I, I only take on people as necessary. My game isn't to scale as fast as possible. My game is to like, make a living providing value doing what I like doing. Um, so I think you're right. I think there's a lot of, uh, there are people who want to scale and build a big business and that's, you know, they take VC funding and whatnot and that's great. Um, but then for me, that's why I was reached out was so curious about how do you work with these sites? How do you work with people who, you know, you want to take things off your plate. So um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. This, this has actually helped me a lot. Harris, do you have any other questions for Matt here? 
I don't, but I suspect that there's going to be people who are interested. I wonder where folks can find you. Uh, I know, you know, we met on the Contextual Electronics Forum, so they could probably find you there. But uh, where do people find you? And if they uh, want a Joule Scope, where do they get a Joule Scope? Well, the last one's easy. It's JewelScope.com, J-O-U-L-E-S-C-O-P-E.com. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter, um, MLiberty1 uh, on Twitter. Uh same on LinkedIn as well. So, um, and I also have a contact form here. If you're interested in my consulting work or uh, Jewelscope, there's a contact form on both websites on both Jewelscope.com and JetPerch.com. Awesome. And we'll put all of those in the show notes as well. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and share the show. Let us know what you think on Twitter at HelloBlinkShow. Find show notes at helloblinkshow.com. The Hello Blink Show is shared under a CC BY 4.0 license by Skull Riza LLC and Kenny Consulting Group LLC. The intro and outro music is Routine by Amin Maxwell and is shared under a CC BY 3.0 license. This song can be found at soundcloud.com slash Amin Maxwell slash routine.